Hey friends, my name is Ruckstar, editor and chief of Raving Lunatic Media. I'm here to talk to you today about ads. Whoa, 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 Ruckstar. Ads? Are you guys like selling out finally? No, 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 dear viewer. We are just going to be showing our support to the amazing shows here on Raving Lunatic Media, like Sci-Fi Malady, Zodiac Task Force, Why You Should, and the backlogs of the Casatorium, with more to come out in the next calendar year. If you want these shows without these annoying breaks in the middle, you can follow the link in any of the bios of the shows or on our Discord, Raving Lunatic Media. You'll be brought to a subscription page which will help support your favorite creators, us. Enjoy the show and stay crazy, lunatics. Let's make sure history never forgets the name. Sci-Fi Malady. Got out. A.I. What's the A stand for? Artificial. What's the I? Uh... Intelligence. Oh, what was the A again? Let's move on. Sci-Fi Malady, Symptom 281. Ex Machina, A.I. done right. Welcome back, Sickies, to me. Oh, bless you, Scott. We're already in doing great. But anyway, welcome back to Matriarch March. We are doing the sci-fi films or shows uh, that are female-led, either by director or character. And I thought that we would start off strong with a great film, Ex Machina. And I'll be honest, I had wanted to see this for a long time. My first exposure to it was when a Dosa Buckley post, I don't remember if he was criticizing it or the people who fell for it, but um, it had an AI where it was, and it was in a chat somewhere, and it would ask you a question, what makes you human? And you engaged with it, and essentially it, made you think you were talking to a person until then it turned out to be an ad for the movie. A very clever ad. And then I forget if Buckley was criticizing that or the people who fell for it. So oh, yeah, the Instagram both. Tinder profile. That was it. Thank you. And that was my first inclination toward my first knowledge of it. And then I never went and saw it despite wanting to. So this was my first um viewing now thomas you had seen it you said and you said it was a great choice so that yes yes it, it is a great choice so um <clears throat> there's a lot of fun facts about this uh but i think you know i'm gonna of course do our perfunctory our usual plot discussion and fun facts but i want to get through that because there's gonna be i know some great dialogue here so <clears throat> The essentially the plot is that you have Nathan, a programmer who wins a trip to go. He works for a search engine called Blue Book, the Google of the year of the, the story. And he's allowed to go see Caleb, the CEO and creator of Blue Book, and experiment on some new technology. So he's taken by helicopter to a hotel in the middle of nowhere and he gets his own ID and He's essentially, he finds out essentially for the week that he's staying with Caleb, he is supposed to 
uh, do a, oh, what was the name of the test? A Turing test. A Turing test, which is trying to see if an AI tricks someone into thinking it's human. <clears throat> um, kind or if of. it passes as human. Is that better? I mean, the well, strict definition of a Turing test is you have a conversation with an AI and you can't tell that you're having a conversation with an AI. You can't tell the difference okay. between an AI and yes. a human. Okay, thank you. So, but Caleb gets an interesting twist on this in that when he goes to engage with said AI, he sees it's clearly an AI. He's, he sees it's a robot. And when asked, why don't you just have me speak to it through the speaker the caleb's view is well because if you're looking right at a robot but you still think it's human it definitely passes and throughout the film uh there's some power outages that you find out are due to ava the ai and she starts to explain when those power outages are happening she starts to explain to caleb you've got to get me out of here i'm a prisoner and throughout the film you come to find out that Caleb this is just one of many AIs that he's created women on top of it and they have gone nuts trying to get out and Caleb has had to shut them down Ava is just the latest incarnation and Caleb finally puts a battery powered camera in the room so when the power goes out he can see because Caleb's not in the room when uh, Nathan and Ava are talking. So with that battery-powered camera, he could see that they're plotting to get him drunk, steal his card, and get him out of there. So he's on to it. But what he doesn't know is the day before, he had Caleb had drunk himself so stupid he passed out. And Nathan took his ID card, went into the Caleb's room, and reprogrammed it so that he could get out. So in the end, it really essentially becomes the case that Ava and another AI uh, kill Caleb and help Nathan es- and and Ava escapes. But the problem is she keeps Nathan locked up in the house. So and there's more details to that. I'll let you watch to fill in the gaps. But that's basically it. Ava, the AI, gets out. And her creator is dead. And the guy who was there to test her, Nathan, is trapped in the house without his ID card and no way to get out. So a few things, a few fun facts. These are bigger, longer ones. So I'm just going to pick out. I just went ahead and picked out the best things. Um, Director Alex Garland described the future presented in the film as 10 minutes from now. Meaning that if somebody like Google or Apple announced tomorrow that they made an Ava, we would all be surprised, but wouldn't be that surprised. Um, Oscar Isaac said he based his characterization of Nathan on Bobby Fischer and Stanley Kubrick, who he sees as mysterious and elusive geniuses. The beard is a Kubrick-style beard. And when you look at the pictures, you find out, oh, it is, isn't it? Uh, when Caleb sits down at Nathan's computer and begins coding, the code he types is for an algorithm called the Sieve of Aratus Arastini, 
and an algorithm for finding prime numbers. However, it also chooses prime numbers that form the IS and a certain ISBN for the book Embodiment in the Inner Life, Cognition, Consciousness, and the Space of Possible Minds, a book about the history of artificial intelligence. Uh, when Nathan is about to pass out from drinking, he reads from the Hindu Gita. And according to uh, the J. Robert Oppenheimer book, American Prometheus, Oppenheimer translated and recited that poem a few days prior to a failed explosive test. We also have, when they're talking about creating Ava, uh, Caleb quotes Oppenheimer, I've become death destroyer of worlds, because he's acknowledging if this works, um, this is going to destroy the world as we know it, which is true. Um, <clears throat> so this is the biggie, the next two biggie ones. Uh, Ex Machina's plot is a loose adaptation of William Shakespeare's play, The Tempest. And each of the film's three main characters are roughly analogous to characters from that play. Nathan is the powerful inventor, but he corresponds to Prospero, a powerful magician who lives in a remote island. Nathan may be a computer programmer, an AI pioneer, uh, but he parallels Prospero as a nod to Arthur C. Clarke's famous dictum that any sufficiently advanced tech is indistinguishable from magic. Ava is analogous to Miranda, Prospero's daughter. Both Miranda and Ava were created by Prospero or Nathan, and neither has been exposed to experience or people outside the respective confines. So, uh, Caleb is also equivalent to Ferdinand in both the play and the movie. The Prospero character contrives to bring Caleb to his isolated and remote home, and in both cases, the Caleb character falls in love with the Prospero character's daughter. So, you know, copying, but copying in a good way. Um, <clears throat> good derivative. Good derivative, exactly. The last one I'll give is when Nathan is sitting in front of the three monitors left of the post-it covered wall is a famous triple painting by Titian titled the allegory of prudence, which features three heads and three animals. Titian painted the work just before he died of plague in 1576. The three heads in the painting allude to the three ages of man on the left is his self portrait representing the past and old age. And the center is Orazio, his son, representing the present maturity. And the right is Marco, his cousin, representing the future youth. And under the portraits is a triple-headed figure depicting a wolf, lion, and dog, symbolizing prudence and also may symbolize memories, intelligence, and foresight. There's a lot of symbolism in this movie, needless to say. But uh, I think that's enough fun facts there, because I'm sure, Scott, you have an... Um, a big discussion topic you want to throw in here, but I want to add, I want to start off with an interesting discussion. Um, one of them is that a, a big rip or excuse me, pick is going to be who's really taking the touring test. Uh, Scott, it tricked you, you and I both, which is a good thing. But the first big question I have is who's the monster in this movie? Is it Caleb or Ava? Or could it be both? Or is Ava monster potential? 
Because, I mean, Ava leaves Caleb in that building to die and walks out. She was conspiring with him. And it begs the question, you know, Caleb is saying she's using you. Well, it almost appears like maybe he was right. Caleb maybe she was saying was she's using you or Nathan. Caleb was saying that to Nathan. Caleb was saying to Nathan, you know, when Ava's saying she loves you, she's manipulating you. Now, I think you got Caleb and Nathan switched. Nathan No, is Caleb inventor. is the Caleb is the inventor. Nathan is the guy who shows up. Oh no, I'm no, sorry. You're right. Flip yep. it. Yeah. So Nathan tells Caleb she's manipulating you. And it turns out that it sure looks that way, doesn't it? it so who's really the monster here? Or are there more than one? Uh there's three monsters here. All right. Um look, the question is who's the biggest monster? Um Okay, you could put that spin, sure. And I'm going to say that it's, you know, the twist leads me to believe that at the end, the monster is Ava. Um, and this is kind of telling for all of humanity. So I'll finish with Ava as why she's the biggest monster. Um, Caleb, however, is also a monster. And Caleb is just the coder who gets trapped in the room to die after trying to save Ava. but. Something to think about here is when it's Kyoko, who at the time he thinks is a human being, who's Nathan's servant, um, and gets treated with zero respect, Caleb has no problem, no concerns leaving her there. Um, even when he eventually finds out that she also is an AI. He's not concerned about breaking her out of there. Even after he sees everything that Nathan did to her, the psychological torture of not letting her out of the room. Um, Caleb only seems motivated to be good to win Ava's love. Even though they go through, they go through, they go out of their way for to have Nathan say Caleb's a good person. And for him to pass the human lie detector test that Ava gives him. There's still, he's looking at injustice, but it's not being done to the AI that he is in love with. So he's not going to do anything about it. Um, <clears throat> Nathan is a bigger monster because Nathan is creating sentient beings. Um, to use as sex slaves and house servants and imprisoning them and torturing them. And he's doing it in an experiment to see that if they can eventually manipulate people to get their freedom. Ava is the worst monster of them all. She is going to manipulate Caleb. She never intends not to leave Caleb to die. She, she never intends to let Nathan survive once she's out of there. And, and she's willing to sacrifice Kyoko slash Jade, one of, you know, another AI, 
to get out of there. She doesn't even stop to try to help Jade or Kyoko, who in theory After might be able- Kyoko helps her too. Correct. Correct. So, um, Ava is a sociopath, and well, and what's crazy- you do have one. Sorry, you have one question though. If the AI considers itself above the other AIs because they are not human what? enough. You, you know what? That, that that's a good question, Thomas. Um, let's come back. I just want to let Scott finish, and then we can. Oh come yeah, back. yeah, that's a really good question. And then. The biggest monster in the film, I know I just said it's Ava, but thinking one more time, it's humanity. What's Ava's base of knowledge? What's she trained on? What is her deep learning? Gave her access to the search responses of all of humanity and trained her on basically the collective input of humanity's consciousness on the internet. And the result of all of that is a sociopath who will lie, manipulate, and kill for her own advantage with zero concern or um, empathy for those that she has destroyed in her path and is able to make you believe that she is um, a paragon of virtue at times, too. Well, I would agree with you on that. I, I didn't consider... Caleb, but I get your point, so I'm inclined to agree. Um, she definitely is, um, I suppose, well, that's a question for later, but uh, she definitely is a monster in that regard, although one could ask, how else could she be anything else? She doesn't know anything else. Um, the internet's a hellscape, and it's more negative than positive, so she picked up on that. But to get to Thomas's question, um, yeah, does she really consider the other AIs actually AI? Which honestly seems very human, doesn't it? She's dehumanizing the other AIs, isn't she? She absolutely is. Yeah, it, it's very clear, at least in my opinion, that it seems to be that she is putting a dividing line between herself and the others. Well, yeah, and she cannibalizes parts from the other. She's just, she, instead of seeing, I, I guess, the, the AI version of a corpse, she, instead of seeing that and going, oh, too bad for you, or, you know, feeling sympathy, she's just like, oh, look, an arm I could use. Oh, look, skin I could use. Oh, I like this part about her. I think I'll just take it. So, yeah, there is that factor. Yeah, um, in a way, we already, as humans, do that. In oh, a way. Absolutely, absolutely. No, we use each other for, for advantages. I mean, of course. I mean, look Holy at crap, Nathan is Poe Dameron? You didn't know that? No, what? I just realized yeah, that. Yeah, no, I like... Uh, yeah? I, honestly, I, I really like Oscar Isaac as an actor. You know, He's the more a good I see actor. him... He, um... Yeah, I would say that if you look at the, not to detour too much, here's your Star Wars connection. Poe Dameron, for the most part, was one of the more likable characters in the sequel trilogy. Him and Finn, but um, 
but that's a, that's neither here nor there. I have uh, the Star Trek connection question now. So way back in the when, when we did Measure of a Man, we talked about whether Data was human or not. And so the question is, if we take, we consider Data, and Scott, you could consider this, uh, the short you did on the uh, Do Androids Dream of Positronic Sheep or whatever it was. Who is more human, Ava or Data? Um, we're, we're, we're talking about human and not sapient, correct? Uh, well, let's start with human and then we can go sapient. You could do both. Ava is more human. She has a full grasp of emotion. She has the ability to fake empathy. And she has the ability to manipulate other human beings' emotions. So she might have a better understanding of emotions than human beings do. So Ava is is more human to me. Um as far as sentience and sapience, I'm going to go with equal. Um and the reason for that is that you know, using using some of the criteria, uh, uh, you know, if we go back to the ones outlined in Measure of a Man, um, intelligent and 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 self aware and adaptive, um, they both they both demonstrate those capabilities. Data is definitely aware of himself. He's aware of his role in the universe. Um, it, it's kind of like what Caleb asks when he says, "You teach a chess computer, but does the computer know that it's playing chess?" And you can't tell that from teaching it how to play chess. Um, so, by those standards, I would say they have equal sentience and sapience. Now, the difference is that Ava's evil. Ava has a full knowledge of human emotion and has just decided to use it to get ahead. Um, Data, Data has an ethical program that when running an active prevents him from being evil. It's a conscience. It makes him, it forces him to see other people as, as real. And you can see Data grapple with those in certain instances, such as in um, The Most Toys, when he's going to pull the trigger on the disruptor to kill the collector because he's just going to keep harming other people. And Data's able to rationalize that he can commit what on the surface is the immoral and unethical act of murder because it does a greater good by removing someone who is murdering at will, kidnapping, and, you know, doesn't care who he hurts to accumulate things. Um, but you can also see at other points in time what happens to Data if the ethical program is um, turned off. And this is one of the things I'm not sure I ever liked about the way Star Trek portrayed Data. The minute Data's ethical program fails, he joins his brother and the Borg and starts experimenting on eradicating Geordi LaForge's neurons to replace it with a with a synthetic neural net. So he just His flips best friend. So it's, he has so in other words, it's like the crusty doll that was flipped to evil. Correct. And uh, uh, data literally has an evil switch 
uh, one time Dr. Soong, you know, pages him to return to the planet. And um, it overrides everything in Data's programming. He stops listening to orders. He steals the ship. And uh, a kid is about to die because he had to get to a starbase and Data's locked the entire ship out so he can go visit his dad. And this is like, it was a reoccurring thing. It's like, oh, Data's evil switch is hit this week. Okay, um, so it was a it was a bad plot contrivance that and, smacks a little bit against everything they set up otherwise. But who's to say that data eventually what who's to say that what's preventing data from fully truly experiencing emotions until he gets his emotion chip is his ethical subroutines. Ava doesn't have them. Ava's trained on the internet to mimic a human being in its entirety. And and Maybe, maybe that's that's why I say she's more human. She she has our failing to be able to not only to be able to act immorally, to do it. Most human beings act from motivated self interest. Data never does. Data's ultimate most human act. His well, I say most human. Most human in the way that we want to believe the best of us at our moments are is in Nemesis when he chooses to sacrifice himself to save Captain Picard and to save the Enterprise and all of his friends. It's not most so other, self-interest. So in other words, humanity is best defined by our wickedness. Got it. Uh, well, what we want to believe humanity is best defined by is our nobleness and our self-sacrifice. But... But ultimately, we act in motivated self-interest, and we find a way to convince ourselves that those actions in motivated self-interest fit into an ethical framework that lets us sleep at night and look in the mirror and like what we see. Uh, the ability to and tolerate Armageddon. Yeah. And the uh, day after tomorrow. Correct. And, and so, Ava represents, maybe, I, I'll say this, Data and Ava, the way I say they're equal as far as sapience and sentience go, and maybe, maybe they're both equally human. And I'll talk myself into this answer. Data represents us at the best of who we think we can be and who we want to be. Ava represents us as the absolute worst. The absolute worst of who we, who we are. I mean, even Ted Bundy had, what, a wife or a girlfriend that um, he yeah. didn't kill? Ava well. doesn't even have that. I'm, I mean, you don't want to use serial killers. That's an exceptional mental illness there. But I'm saying Ava in this Ava in this film to me doesn't even have that much empathy for a single person to care about once they're not useful to her. Does seem that way. Yes. Yeah. Thomas, you want to take a stab at the question? Uh, refresh the question, please. Sorry. <laughs> Who is more human, Ava or Data? Now, Scott added a qualifier of um, who is more sentient. So, uh, you know, but you could describe, you could explain both. Who is more sentient? Who is more human? Well, human, I'd have to go Ada. Uh, data has some human traits, but it seems just to be in many ways acts like an AI with extremely advanced programming mm -hmm. and does things that basically goes well this is what I'm supposed to do many a time um, 
she, on the other hand, does whatever seems best at the moment to further the goals she has. Some of which is, well, probably against what the programming would say would be best. Okay. Yeah, I'm inclined. Oh, I'm sorry. Go on. uh, I was just going to say, it's hard to tell, though. Because, again, trying to figure out in AI's humanity is always tricky because, well, is it just an advanced program? Or is it actually something there? Mm. Sure, sure. Well, I'm inclined to agree with you guys on that one, but um, with those in mind, I think we can dive into rips and picks. Uh, and I think for me, and I'm sure Scott will agree with this, and you too, Thomas, the biggest pick, at least one of the biggest picks, is the, um, you know, you hear a lot today about subverting expectations. And essentially everybody that louds that action is awful at it. They think subverting expectations is shoving a thumb in the audience members' eyes and saying, ha, 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 I ruined your character. You know, I peed in your dinner, ha, ha, ha. That's not subverting expectations. That's just being childish. Um, Subverting is pulling a Houdini trick, you know? Saying, "Hey, everybody, look over there!" And meanwhile, you're putting you're dragging an elephant onto the stage, um, and nobody sees it. And that's what happens here because you think for a hot second that is Caleb the AI. Because I really thought so Nathan, for a hot second, Nathan. You keep no, saying Caleb is the okay. We got to figure this out once and for all. We are screwed. <laughs> Caleb's Caleb the coder. is the programmer. Nathan is Oscar Isaac. Yes. Yes. Caleb, I mean. Okay. For a minute, oh, you thought it was Nathan. I thought it was Nathan the whole time. Oh, okay. So I thought I thought Caleb was the AI mm. for a hot second, and he was going through the test. Now. That's interesting, Scott, that you thought it was Nathan. So that's kind of like, regardless of whether you thought it was him or the other guy, Nathan or Caleb, there is that moment where you're wondering, is Ava just there to, you know, trick? Because, and then of course you find out, no, they're both actually humans. But, um... That for me was a really big wow. That's good job, guys. That's a Rod Serling style subversion. See, I thought, I thought, you know, you get Caleb asks Nathan, you know, is it, is it the magician's trick with the hot assistant? So I thought that Ava was, you know, he it's misdirection of the fact that he thinks he's there to evaluate if he's interacting with an AI with Ava. And they've got him so focused on that that he's not trying to see through the real test, which is, can he tell that Nathan is an AI? Okay. No, that, that makes sense. That makes I sense. I kept expecting was, that gun to go off, but it never did. I thought, gun never did. 
I thought it was Caleb because um, it was a case of does Caleb ever figure out that he's an AI? Mm. So um, for a minute, that's what I thought it was that in talking to Ava, it would solidify himself as, well, of course I'm human. And uh, interesting. That's, that's where I was thinking. Cause you know, he makes that clear like, oh, well, you're my best programmer. And, and of course, Caleb would win the little lottery there. He was supposed to win it. So, um, that's kind of what I was wondering. Um, because to my knowledge, well, wait, you do see him eating, but yeah, nonetheless, that's for a hot second. I, I, it didn't last long, but I did wonder about that. So that to me was a major pick that you could pull out whenever you could pull off a Rod Serling style subversion, you've masterclassed your writing. I, I agree with you there. Uh, I have to pick the, uh, the cinematography, the photography. I thought I read something. It was something like 800 shots of Ava and like 350 of them were, were not edited. So many of them were edited out to be able to superimpose her face over the, the AI framework. And you mm-hmm. really don't get the idea that you're looking at something that's excessively CGI'd. And this is 2014, which is almost 10 years ago now. Yeah. Um, eight well, years we- ago. I mean... The technology was there, but it wasn't fully developed yet, and it's still not fully developed. But, I mean, it it stands up. The cinematography, the effort put into that to not break, you know, your your illusion of reality. Um, some some high-level cinematography there, in my opinion. And, you know, that's interesting you bring that up because there's a, there's a, a fun fact I glossed over, but the fact that this won the Oscar for Best Effects not episode seven. Um, and this movie had a considerably smaller budget. Um, I, but it, in my was, opinion, used very well. I mean, oh, of course it was. Absolutely. I think, you know, the supposition there was that most of the Academy was being biased. Well, first, that's a stupid thing to say. Of course, they were being biased, but everyone is. But I think the bias is well put here because this movie is something original, different. It's all the stuff that, you know, uh, Oh, what's that director's name? The one that says, uh, the one that called Marvel movies, not real cinema. I suddenly forget his name. I mean, not Mancini. He's a soundtrack guy. Um, uh, you know, I can't believe I forget his name. Scorsese. Scorsese. And and he's right, honestly. As much as I love the MCU up until Endgame, they're just popcorn attraction ride movies. They're not fine quality cinema. I'll I'll be the first to admit that. But um this is. And when you look at Star Wars, it's like, oh look, another manufactured franchise that has been done already, and oh, J.J. Abrams is doing practical effects that someone else has already invented. Yay! It 
it's one of those things like, which do you like better? The original recipe that made you say, wow, or the recipe that made you say, wow, but you know what? We've already had it and someone else did it. And, you know, I, I get that. I get why this was given more credit. So here's what I had Especially been reading about. It was, part of, it was part of a story. It wasn't just put there to, ooh, flashbang, Death Stars, yeah! You know, it wasn't done by a guy who's wholly uncreative, wholly unoriginal, and a lot of stuff was just added there to make you go, woo! Whereas this was put in for a purpose. There was nothing original in cinematography in um, Ep- The Force Episode Awakens. 7? No. no. And, and, you know, I here's what um, Wikipedia, the fount of all knowledge, says. The film was live action, all effects done in post-production. There were no special effects, green screens, or tracking markers. The robot body was a detailed costume, a bodysuit made of polyurethane with metal powder poured onto it to create the mesh. The lines on the costume to make it easier for the VFX company to digitally remove parts of the costume. So they filmed these scenes with her in and and not in the scene actually so that the background could be kept and in post production they digitally painted out um certain parts to keep the background to restore the background when when it was necessary to give you that see through um you know where the where the costume appears to be hollow and you can see what's behind it there, right. were, there were 350 individual robot shots that company had to do. Yeah, it's not an easy at all type of work. No. So it's it shows that effects are more than just uh, ooh, flash, bang, ooh, look at all that. It's does it have a purpose? How much effort did you put into it? Does it make sense that you did it? All that good stuff. Um, any other... Now, personally, I don't have any rips to this movie, but any rips or final picks before we rate this thing? Uh, I have a rip and then another pick. Okay. I feel like... You know, I said this to Sarah as I was watching the film. If I close my eyes every time Nathan talks, I'm hearing Adam Sandler. So I don't know if Oscar Isaac was trying to channel Adam Sandler for this wacky tech investor dude, but I kept hearing overtones of Adam Sandler. All right. Well, now that's a personal pet peeve <laughs> one, but I get it. I get it. Uh, my You're other, allowed to have it. My other pick, you want to talk about self-awareness? The photo Ava draws, and nothing ever happens with this, but the photo Ava draws, the first photo she shows Caleb is her brain. Later, when they zoom into her brain, it matches that first photo she said. I was hoping you'd tell me what it was. Mm. She's so self-aware, she can draw a map of the neural network of her brain. That is some high-level self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And nothing was ever done with that. It was just there. I don't think that ever went anywhere. Do you guys remember that going anywhere? He looks at it. He sees that. I thought no. that was going to come back, and it never does. But it doesn't need to. I think it's just one step in showing her awareness. It wasn't fat. So No, I like that, I like that part of it, too. It's very subtle. Thomas? 
Any more rips or picks? Um, I'm going to do a few picks. I mean, we kind of touched on the fantastic um, special effects. But I'm also going to kind of touch on some of the cinematography. Cinematography. Ooh, good grief. Can't Very Kubrick style. Yes. It also, using camera angles and camera techniques, adds suspense quite often. There are moments in this movie where you're supposed to not know what's going on. And it does a very good job of portraying that and making you feel it. Now, again, we did mention the twist, and I think the twist is a very nice twist. Mm-hmm. Now, I... This is both a rip and a pick. I hate movies that leave cl- on cl- end on cliffhangers. <laughs> okay, I get that. I, I I both love that and I hate that, okay? I'm like, oh, that's a terrible and a great place to leave. What happened? I want to, you know, there's no closure. It's sometimes just, yeah. <laughs> but it's a rip and a pick. Okay. But that's just a personal one for me. I actually <clears throat> kind of have a rip. The helicopter okay. guy is there to pick up Caleb. Yeah. Oh, why does he just take Ava instead? Yeah. No questions <laughs> asked. I'm here to pick up Caleb. Here's Ava. Uh, yeah. Good point. And I, I don't remember if it's the same helicopter guy or All not right, either. That's a good, okay. I got to agree with that. That is a... Uh... I'm here to pick up... Wait a minute. <laughs> that That's... Okay. I get that one. Um, well, with that in mind, I guess we could do this. Uh, do the rating. How many? How many Avas? How many AIs does this get? And I would, you know, I would say I'm going to give it ten. It it was not the most original concept as we saw in the trivia, but. It was a modern adaptation that fits well. You wouldn't really notice it offhand. We had some great discussions about it. And if I could be just at the most simplest level, I remembered the names of the characters. <laughs> and I know, I know that may sound strange, but hear me out. It's at a point now where I sometimes get so bored with movies that I can't even bother to remember names and places. When I can remember names and places and stuff like that, it it definitely is um it shows that you were able to keep my attention. And that's a good thing. So um yeah. I was invested. It show I was invested because I cared enough to watch. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Next. So ten out of ten. Um I'm going to give it a ten out of ten also. 
I think it's a very good story. Well shot. It's shot. I, I it, it's a one location shoot basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and only has really three or four actors total, really that you care about or really does anything for the story. But that's all you need. And they get it done very well. And all all of them do a fantastic job of acting and show. There's not really any points of breaking that fourth wall or breaking anything that takes you out of the moment. This is a very movie that draws you in and holds you. And I like it for that reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. I could probably do a sci-fi melody limited series podcast on Ex Machina that could probably fill 8 to 12 episodes with just individual points that we could talk about. Um, we, we talked about, you know, Ava's trained on the collective knowledge of humanity and that and that's the result. We could talk about, you know, does Ava reflect her creator in the fact that Nathan is a manipulative narcissist? Um, we could discuss what we talk about with Caleb, uh, his his moral failings and, and where his motivations come from. We could talk about what this movie says writ large about humanity. And each of these could be an individual um, podcast. We could talk about does Ava have true sentience and sapience, true self-awareness or you know, as Blade Runner would say, because she lacks the simple human emotion of empathy of any kind, mm-hmm. is she truly human? Um, we, we could, I could talk about this film for another five hours today and not be out of stuff to talk about. Uh, it's also well acted. It makes you care for the characters. It makes you hate Nathan and revile him. You feel for Caleb and you're rooting for Ava all the way up until that ending. Even after she kills Nathan, I'm still rooting for Ava until that ending. And the true villain of your film is not revealed until the last two minutes. You think she's the hero, the, the, the protagonist, and she's not. Mm-hmm. Um, just fantastic. And even though it's not a fast-paced movie... I never felt bored. And, uh, and this is what science fiction is supposed to be. It's enjoyable. It makes you think. It's going to continue to make you think. We didn't even discuss the Jackson Pollock moment where, you know, the key is to find something that isn't, that is automatic and make it not automatic. Not something, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we, didn't, we didn't even discuss that. There's so much here. It, it, it's a 10. It's everything, everything I want from science fiction. In, in every iteration. It's absolutely perfect. It was probably the best science fiction film of 2014. Um, it's okay. far and away better than The Force Awakens. It may not be entertaining and as memorable, but as a, as a true piece of make-you-think-good science fiction, high-quality science fiction, this is doesn't get, doesn't get any better. I can't find anything to really knock this movie for. Okay. So, that's a ringing endorsement, if ever I've heard one. So, sickies, you can uh, definitely recommend checking this film out. 
In the meantime, you can also go back on our backlog and see other episodes uh, uh, from Spotify, and you could get there from our Discord page. You can add what you felt about this film from our Discord page. You can also, that while you're there and at Spotify, check out other shows on Raving Lunatic, like the Casatorium episodes or ZTF, which will be coming out with a new episode soon. You should also be tuning into why you should and why sh- why you should be listening to why you should is because it's awesome. Why you should. And you could also leave comments at our website at www.ofcourseitsomethingaboutaclusterofcensor.com uh, ravinglunaticmedia.com ravinglunaticmedia.com Rangemaster, what's left for them to do? Stay sick, sickies. And don't go to that website. Raving lunatic. <laughs>